All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the MVP, the Modern Visual Podcast. Joe Stevens here hosting this bad boy, as always, and I'm joined by the boss man himself, Luke Truen. LT, what's happening? Not much. Joe, yourself? Ah, oh, just uh, running off a little sleep, two kids doing their thing. Yeah, I feel about the same. It is Monday morning, which doesn't help. Yeah, we were just chatting off air how uh, we're all a little fuzzy, but it's part of the game. Um, right, get into it. The uh, topic of today's title is the importance of being in business with your ideal client, and we'll touch a little bit on how to attract your ideal client. Um, Luke with MV. When I say MV, guys, is Mom Visual, by the way. I, I abbreviate everything. But with MV, I know this is something you've been through a lot in your journey, is constantly refining what your ideal client is and, and the services that attract them, the marketing that attracts them, and being in business with the right people. So where do you want to start, man? Because this is a pretty big topic, but it's a very important topic. Yeah, I think Modern Visual's offerings changed a lot over the years and that's because our space moves so quickly and we've always had this goal of being different and mm. standing out and cutting through and not being like everybody else and I think we do that quite well. Uh, but what that means is as well over time and especially coming from a startup uh, you know, environment from nothing to where we are now, our ideal client has changed a lot over time. And, you know, to summarise what an ideal client actually is, it's somebody or an organisation that you work with that is happy to pay what you're worth. They're uh, easy to deal with. They've got the right people at their end to, you know, work with your team. Um, It's just a match made in heaven. It's almost like if you could get a thousand more of these ideal clients, you'd be very happy. We want to clone you and and you can become... Yeah, yeah, that's right. The and model for what all our clients would like to be. Exactly. And to find your ideal client, you unfortunately have to have non-ideal clients to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're starting in business or you're going through a transition phase, you're, I guess, coming across all types of clients and you're working out what type of client is best for that product or service or for your organization. Well, I think there's stages, right? So if you look at if you look at the beginning, the startup phase, there's a certain number of years there where I think you're taking anything within reason that you can get, you know, you, you still qualify clients and you still try to avoid someone you know is going to be bad for the relationship. But if you need cash flow, within reason, you need cash flow, right? When you're bootstrapped, which means you're obviously starting from nothing and you don't have investment or funding from anywhere, you have to sometimes take what you can get when you're starting out to to become established. And, you know, I know a lot of businesses are quite established now that are listening to this or they may have had funding, so it's not really um, applicable to them, but... Um, I think everyone can relate in one way or another. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so th- that's sort of stage one. And I think that stage is important regardless, you know, you guys listening or watching, you might say, oh, we did that for five years or we did that for one year. Or I think it depends if it's your first business, if it's your second go. A bit. Like I think the, the more you've started businesses and ran them, I think that that incubation period of discovering your ideal client probably gets a bit shorter. Yeah, definitely. And you don't always get it right. Like we could in two weeks time still get a non-ideal client um, and these things can slip through the cracks. It's just how it happens sometimes. Well, I think also before we go into detail about how to attract them and, and, and not the negotiation process, but like from marketing, getting the leads, engaging, a lot of clients, they're not the same when you take them on or in the initial consults or, or, or whatever it might be to them when they're under pressure or when they're strapped for cash on their end and, and how are you supposed to know that? Like we've talked about this in previous podcasts where, you know, somewhat of an agency partner, not that this is a stereotypical agency anymore, modern visual, but you do, if you take on the wrong client and sometimes you don't know that at the time, 
you become an extension of their problems. Yes. You know, we've talked about that before. So that is something we need to touch on is that, you know, when you do the handshakes and you sign the contract and everything's all well and good, sometimes when those clients are under pressure, they switch like that from being pretty reasonable to deal with to just an absolute pain in the ass, basically. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. And it's one of those things like that's just unavoidable, unfortunately. We're, we're all humans. We're all on a planet and uh, we're all trying to get somewhere and if sometimes personalities clash. Which stress. I think stress brings out sometimes the best in people, but yep. very often the worst. Yeah. Um, and whether they're, you know, they've got their monthly invoice or, you know, they thought it was going to do X and it does Y for, for what you're doing for them. It's, it's interesting. But um, all right, let's start from the top. So how do you, you know, say modern visual – uh, you can talk about this cycle of, of services you're offering and where the company is at now. You can talk about, you know, previous cycles, whatever that might be over the last six years. But how do you, first of all, qualify an ideal client? How do you decide this is the direction of clients you want to work with? What, what does that model look like? Yeah, I mean, to keep things really, really simple, there's two things. It's uh, like, what are they paying? And what is the value we can provide for what they're paying? And you want those to be out of whack. So you want maximum value for that client versus paying as minimal as possible right so um they're paying you not much to get the most that they can and when i say not much it's more in relativity to what you're actually providing yeah they need to feel like it's an absolute no-brainer that when they sign on there's no regrets they say this is just exactly what i thought this would be and more so you're somewhat under promising but over delivering and, and the financial investment from them is uh, obviously it's it's beneficial to the company. It covers what you know, and there's profit in that in the yeah. hours and whatnot. But for the most part, yeah, they're not leaving this transaction going. Oh, that stings! I really hope this works. That's right. So it's a case of saying, who is this ideal client that's going to benefit from that? Looking at what your skills are in your business and the services and products you provide, who's going to benefit the most from that, and who's going to be willing to spend this to get this? Yeah. Um, so that's sort of like the first step is working out that part and then from there fleshing out who that ideal client is. And we, we call this persona development. We call it avatar development. Um, you know, there's various names for this process that you go through and it's a process of finding out and getting really deep on that person so you can get, uh, you know, in front of them in the right way with the right message. Yeah, and it's essentially, I, I've seen many times where Modern Visual's done this in discovery sessions for clients and you flush out, you know, demographics, incomes, interests, potential client value so really kind of reverse engineering that and doing it for a, a b2b client or whatever it might be that's going to approach you yep exactly right we run our own uh processes on ourselves that we would for clients yep um, like you mentioned doing persona development um you know demographic we're looking at psychographics how does that person think where do they consume their media what motivates that person is it health wealth status fear you know what are the things that's going to make them feel like we are the choice for them mm. Uh, okay, so you kind of at that point identify, let's just go back to one thing you mentioned before, because I think, you know, you, you're talking about financial investment versus reward for the company and, and value. But it, it, at the same time, I think personally, and you probably, I know you'd agree because I kind of learned this here, but um, you, you guys set a price point that certainly weeds out people you feel wouldn't qualify right from the demographics we just talked about identifying so you're not going to set a price point where if they can't afford it you already have red flags that this isn't the company you want to be in business with because either it's too small doesn't have the cash flow it's not organized enough whatever it might be yeah i mean a lot of our services actually benefit businesses that are a little bit larger so 
Um, you know, if you typically have five to ten plus staff, that's the bare minimum of um, size company we would work with. Yeah. Um, because a lot of what we do is around collaboration and um, helping businesses that have multiple teams or single people teams that yeah. work together, whether it be sales or marketing or, you know, production or servicing or support or uh, whatever it may be. And it's interesting because you say that now and then you look back 18 months ago, two years ago when there was, <clears throat> excuse me, like marketing retainers involved, socials, Google ads. I mean, I know there's still things that that Modern Visual does from, from that generation of services that are included in the new model. But when it was a strictly standalone marketing uh, services in that sector, you know, I think inherently in that space, you would not always attract is the wrong word, but you'd end up being in business. I know a few times when I was, you know, doing different roles here that you're, like I said, the wrong, the wrong customer at the wrong time um, because you're offering a service that benefits maybe a smaller business and they think they can afford the investment and they can't and they don't have the sales systems and the teams in place to benefit from what you're providing them anyway. So that's the learning curve, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, when we talk to, about someone being a bad customer, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're not a fit for what we do. Mm. Um, and, I mean, the unfortunate thing is we can explain things at the start as much as we want to, but with dealing with a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, um, their expectation can change over time. And, you know, as an example, we could bring someone on for a Google Ads service two years ago um, when we were offering those services and um, they were happy to uh, agree at the start that, you know, this takes time. This is not an overnight thing. And unfortunately, three weeks in, a lot of people go, well, this isn't working. And it's like, well, we have to go back to the email that you send. Their emotion takes over. And I think with a smaller business, um, you know, we're we're all emotional beings. And uh, when, again, you're a smaller business, that sort of really comes to the surface. And it's reactive, um, isn't it? It's very reactive. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of risk. And um, a lot of people put their families and houses on the line for that small business and startup. So, um, you know, that's a deadly ingredient when you're trying to get the most out of a company providing services when you're trying to get a rushed um, solution because you're desperate to make it work. Yeah. Um, whereas I guess the more established businesses we deal with, they're established. So yeah, they understand. Um, they know what they're trying to achieve. Um, they're not going to collapse if this doesn't work. Um, you know, so there's a lot of different uh, variables there with different size companies. And uh, for our services, we've discovered it's more those mid-market businesses that benefit from what we do and um, are a pleasure to work with. For sure. All right. So we kind of covered, you know, somewhat how to identify it, how to qualify, um, you know, those ideal customers. Talk about the benefits of, um, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about the qualification process more. Mm -hmm. You know, you have um, Hannah here right now who's doing a lot of um, sales away from the things that you do. Um, how do you refine that process so you know again? Because I know there's some new new forms coming in, different things here that you're sending out to potential clients to qualify them further. But how do you suggest that a business, once you have a lead in your sales system, what is the next steps then that you can implement to say, okay, now we really need to qualify if you're going to be the right fit for us? Yeah, I think you try and qualify as early as you can so you don't waste both parties' time. Mm. Um you know, we want to make sure that um, the person we're going to work with is going to benefit from what we do. And um, if we can get that nailed out before they even put as much energy as they can into us, then that's a no-brainer. So the first step is a discovery form. Uh, we typically try and get all new customers to fill out that discovery form. And that's more for people that 
are coming to us with, uh, I guess, an uncertainty around what they need to do. Um, that's the clients that we look at a holistic approach for. Uh, we do have clients that come to us for a specific service and that's fine. They mm. have a specific path and we can provide that. Um, there is a bit of ideal client uh, in that mix, um, typically based again on size but uh, and sometimes industry as well. But if someone's looking at a holistic view, we try and qualify them as quickly as we can through a, a pretty in-depth but still fast discovery process. Um, and then from there, there's further questions um, from our sales team. Are they, um, you know, are they like ambitious? Do they want to reach certain goals in the next 12 months? Um, what is the budget? What is the timing around uh, getting things done? Um, so we're making sure that all the expectations are clear at the start. Uh, and then we move into more in-depth uh, workshopping process, which allows us to interview staff. It allows us to identify what their biggest challenge is and how can we solve that over the next 12 months. Um, so that, that workshop allows us to put a, a solid plan in place and then we can roll out services from there. So um, I, I guess, again, our, our processes and our offering are quite geared around a business that is a bit larger because we help with uh, removing friction, collaboration, efficiency between departments and stuff like that. So, yep. um, yeah, so, I mean, our services wouldn't really benefit a smaller business, but... Um, you know, we still do have leads coming through from small business or referrals or, you know, we may have done a job for someone five years ago and they were really happy with what we'd done. They were a fair friend of theirs who's, you know, a stay-at-home photographer. Yeah. Uh, it's not really someone we can help, but, um, you know, very quickly we've got to make sure that we let them know we're not, we're not going to waste their time. Yeah, for sure. Um, something I liked that I listened to was uh, your guy Richard um, from the UK. His uh, podcast, I think it's Humans First. I can't remember the name of it, but I listened to an episode the other day, and they were basically talking about you know creating. I think it's Six and Flow, their company, and the, uh, you know it's a, a marketing first, um, how to create a marketing first agency or whatever the title was. And I, you know, it's not really the same space that you're in now. But the one thing I took from it was uh, he kept saying that they have what they call a no dickheads policy, mm-hmm. and um. And it was pretty cool, like being that blunt of, of basically saying that um, it was talking about being team first versus um, customer first mm-hmm. and things like that, which I think is an important topic to bring up here as far as um, protecting your team and protecting the company as opposed to dealing with a volatile client that isn't the right person. Because, you know, like I said, like say when I was here uh, working with you guys, it was, um, you know, a different stage of Modern Visual's journey. And we did have a few clients that weren't the right fit. And, and, and just those few really would upset the Apple car a lot in the office that they would just be phoning up, carrying on emails. And it was taken away from the team or It was taken away from the clients that we wanted to do business with. Um, so, yeah, probably touch on that a little bit as far as that goes. Yeah, I think it's that, like I mentioned earlier, that emotional piece where, you know, our services got to that point where we, we started from being a humble web design business back yeah. in the day to offering a full suite of growth solutions around processes and efficiency and systems and technology and stuff like that. So we got to that tipping point where we were still working with, um, you know, smaller businesses. Um, and these small businesses might have been doing quite well financially, so they could afford our services. But because we were dealing with the owner and um, this was someone that was spending their own money, to be honest, yeah. Um, yeah every sort of minute of our time was being monitored and it's not a really good way to, I guess, get success through us is to be that way. Yeah, micromanage. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. So we found that the team, um, you know, were getting disappointed time and time again by these customers 
um, been abrupt. Um, well, because yeah. really, it's like the team's busting their ass for the client. Well, yeah, they everyone here has the best intentions, and the thing is, we we are actually doing a good job, and we're good at what we do. Mm. Um, but again, because we've got people just questioning the process all the time. That's where we lead to problems and there's that friction that gets created. And this is, again, it's all about identifying the ideal client, the topic of this yeah. pod. Yep. Um, because we, we know that we're providing the exact same level of service we'd provide to our larger clients. Um, we're providing the same service, the same quality. Um, it's just the, the questioning uh, from that business owner that, again, to be honest, I'd be in the same boat because mm. I'm a, we're a small business here. I'm spending my own money. Um, I don't have... Uh, team members sometimes spending money on my behalf. I do sometimes, but yeah, for, larger, for the most part, it's you. Yeah, yeah for lar- larger purchases, it's me. I'll be the one that does the research and uh, looks into what we're going to do. So, um, you know, when we're dealing with a marketing manager or an IT manager uh, or a GM or a CEO or whatever it may be from a mid-market organisation, um, they have budgets set out. They know what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, they're looking to us to provide a quality and specialised service, which we do very well. Um, so... Again, that's the issues we've had in the past is with, uh, and I'm not saying that all, you know, small business owners are like this. It's just- No, it's a small percentage, but- Very small percentage, yes. Yeah, it's a possibility. And I think leading to, before we get to the benefits of of how it's helped Modern Visual grow to to deal with the right clients, um, and I know you have, you you know, companies shouldn't be afraid to say, we're not going to deal with you anymore Mm. because it's, it's just not working out. Um, and is this, that's something Modern Visual would have done in the past, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's been a number of times where I've actually sacked a client and I'm not afraid to do so because I know, like, if you let go of a staff member, you're doing them a favour. You know, it all seems like a bad thing at the time, but you know that you're doing them a disservice by having them hang around and they might not be in a position or, you know, they might not be willing to say, oh, look, we don't want to use you anymore. Um, They're too afraid to or they don't feel it's appropriate or whatever it may be. So um, I treat, you know, staff that aren't uh, performing for whatever reason the same as clients that aren't performing. Um, Again, I'm sure they can go to somewhere else like a freelancer or something like that and they can get a much more personalised service. That's um, appropriate for... Something appropriate to them. Someone more dynamic. You know, we're, again, very good at what we do. We're very... Um, big on our processes and procedures and those processes and procedures aren't built for everyone they're built for a particular, yeah, a particular type of client, client. Yep. or clients so yeah that that's definitely something to take home from this is that if you feel like you have you know clients that aren't ideal you wouldn't want to replicate them in future clients then it might be a time and, and like I said I know this is when you guys switched up services a few years ago and really pushed forward with this new direction that you did and it you know, talk about it now. What, what did that, and I know we've touched on this in different podcasts, probably in a different context, but what did that do for Modern Visual when you kind of shed what, what I would call dead weight services you didn't think benefited you guys internally, clients didn't benefit you guys? You know, what was the, that was the catalyst for what I would call a lot of growth to where you are now. Yeah, I mean, the old saying business is business comes into play here where, you know, we've had clients that are amazing people and I get along with them like a house on fire and so does my team, but they might not be a good fit. So we have to have that conversation because it's going to be best for them and for us if we both part ways. So um, that's been very difficult from that, I guess, that personal front. Um, But again, business is business. So for us, it's been a case of, um, I mean, it's across the board, it's efficiency in our business. So we're a well-oiled machine because we don't have inefficiency with non-ideal clients. Um, yeah. You know, we're getting more reviews. Like, um, you know, we haven't had a bad review to date, to be honest. We, we've obviously, um, when we haven't had an agreement with someone, we've parted ways civilly. Um, but, you know, every review we have is positive. We're getting more reviews now. Um, we're getting better feedback. We're having more opportunities with our ideal client. It's, it's funny how when you do shed 
the non-ideal clients, you seem to attract so many more of the ideal clients because you're so focused, uh, not only on servicing those ideal clients in a particular way, but um, just the energy. You know, we talk about uh, energy in general and how uh, this morning, it's Monday morning and we're all sitting here like zombies, but... Um, the energy you get um, when you've got a really well-oiled machine dealing with ideal clients is amazing. It, it spreads infectiously apro- across your whole team. Um, so you can't beat that that feeling of being um, a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and that's really what I wanted to hammer home there is that, you know, you're not just talking about this as some fake guru. Like this is something that you guys have actively been uh, – been involved in and been uh, refining since the beginning of modern visual and it's you know six seven years in now that that journey to get you to where you are now like i know say two years ago if 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 someone would have said to you this is where you're going to be you'd have jumped at it with the clients you're dealing with with the services you're offering um but it's not always that easy to think as clearly when you're, you're in the middle of it at the time when maybe you have a bad client or two you have services you think maybe are outdated to where you want to push the company i think the biggest thing is you get you know and this is just my journey you start from nothing and you build a business then you figure out what are the services we want to offer and then especially in our space things are always changing anyway um but you get to this point where you go all right we really need to write processes and procedures and we need to systemize everything and create some consistency in the business because the staff deserve that and the customers deserve that so you do that and you build these systems out but then you start to hit this new wall of friction where you build it all around your ideal clients and the people that it makes sense that would want these systems and then you end up having brick walls with staff going oh you know this client called me at seven o'clock and or you know that's just that's not a real example but something that could could happen like an example would be you know just for context of the listeners and you guys watching you know, I remember being here and we had a system, it, it was basically to submit um, a content request. Yep. You know, it was out, right. outside of the, uh, you know, social EDM, whatever retainer model. It was if, if, if as an add-on to this, you have a special event, whatever it is, an activation we're creating content for, you just submit it through this job form. It was incredibly yep. simple. And and a follow-up phone call if, if necessary. And we had this one client who would just call and Bye say, person. hey, I need this tomorrow. Yeah, and it's like, like today. Well, yeah, today, whatever <laughs> yeah. it was. And no, sorry, you know, and then that would be deal with me when I was account manager. Look, mm-hmm. this is the process. We need it. If you do it today, we might be able to get it to you, but I can't, you know, oh, I need to talk to Luke. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Okay, well, you haven't dealt with Luke. Yeah, I want to speak to the CEO. Oh, yeah, I want to talk to the to the, um, to the the owner deal. It's like, well, you've been dealing with the team since you were onboarded two years ago. Why, yep. you know, but because they're reluctant to accept yeah. The new system uh, and then I mean I'm assuming you don't deal with that client anymore probably not I can't remember who it is but we won't name names yeah um, but yeah it was it was a saga every time the phone rang at that yep. point and you go okay well this isn't working you know yeah that's right and that's that friction point I was talking about where you, you do your best to put in the best systems that you can whether it be software or written procedures or whatever it may be and you build this machine that's perfect and then you're sort of shaking an apple tree and all the rotten apples are falling off. It's it's that process you go through. And again, it's to benefit these people that are with you that no longer fit the process as well. Mm. Um, you know, there's other um, businesses out there that are more suited to them and um, it's tough at the time. You know, you're having difficult conversations or um, they're feeling pushed out or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and I've had feedback, not on us, but from other people I've dealt with and said, oh, you know, um, such and such has forgotten the little guys that got him got him started. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I sort of cringe when I hear that because those people have been shedded because they don't want the worst for them. Their business has changed. And I think if people don't respect that, then that they probably, you know, they deserve what they get in, in their mind, I think. Yeah, I think either they're not growing 
with you, mm-hmm. and which for all accounts they kind of should be, I yep. think. Yep. Um, because they should be learning from what you're giving them as far as the tools to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's one opinion. The other opinion is their sector, their space, whatever completely, you know, everything's always changing. Sometimes some sectors don't change. Yep. <laughs> you know, which they're going to get left behind, especially in the space we're in here. Or, um, you know, they don't evolve on the same path that we do in the services and that's when it changes. So it's, is uh, again, it's a very broad topic and it's hard to be too specific because everyone's different. But um, I think, if you're listening to this or you're viewing on Facebook, whatever it is, you know, I think we've kind of hammered home number one, the importance of qualifying a new lead, uh, identifying if they are fitting that persona of your ideal customer. And then furthermore, if you're in a relationship with a bad customer, don't be afraid to clip it because I think there's a saying, I can't remember what it is, but one dissatisfied customer, it's going to take 10 satisfied customers to make up for the bad press and the bad, rap they're going to give people on you right so yeah it's just the energy that you get zapped out of you on a regular basis as well mm. um the team the business in general um you know it, i always think of it like if they're paying you five dollars that every five dollars is only worth a dollar yeah uh from a bad client whereas it's worth ten dollars from a good client and that's something that sticks with me day yeah. to day no i agree for sure um all right guys well i think we'll wrap that one up here uh thanks again for listening to the mvp the modern visual podcast don't forget to uh share uh, we'll have a lot more content coming out on the socials and everything, uh, the website moving forward. So don't forget to share, refer a friend, give it a review on Apple and iTunes. Uh, give it a share on Facebook. Make sure you share the love because uh, we enjoy doing this for you guys. And um, don't be afraid to hit us up in the emails or on the comments and let us know what topics you want us to cover next. So Joe Stevens, Luke Truin, this is the MVP. We'll be back soon.